you know, some of you are probably saying, what is the big deal about Advent? In fact, I did have somebody ask me, isn't Advent a Catholic thing? And I want to tell you, Advent is not a Catholic thing. It is a Christian thing. It is something that Christians have been celebrating over the centuries. Every kinds of denominations, cultures celebrate the four weeks. They, take, they set aside the four weeks leading up to the first coming of Christ. When he came down on earth, it's a time to prepare our hearts to contemplate the immensity of what happened on Christmas Eve, the coming of Jesus into our world. It is an astounding thing. You know, it, we, it, the word Advent means coming or arrival, and so it's looking ahead to the arrival, this incredible arrival. We talk a lot in, in church, often in charismatic churches, about the second coming of Christ, right? We're all excited about that. He's going to come on a white horse, and there will be angel armies all around, and everyone's going to see it. It's going to be marvelous and very dramatic. But I want you to know that the first coming of Christ was really just as dramatic. It was not dramatic in an earthly sense. It was a little baby in a stable. There were some angels. But it was not as dramatic. But think about what happened the God of the universe, who spoke all of it into being, who is full of power and of glory, who knows all, sees all, is everywhere at all times, this God became a few cells inside a woman's body. It's astounding. It should blow your mind that God would do that. And why did he do that? Because of how much he loves you and me. That's why he did it. That's why he came down. And so this is this is so astounding that it, it takes us four weeks to ponder it and to question and to just allow God to speak to us in this season as we look ahead to this marvelous first coming of Christ. And so this year I'm introducing, as a way of us celebrating this season, I'm introducing you to this little book called Making Room in Advent. Um, there's some copies of it out there. If you haven't picked one up, please do. If you can make a $10 donation, great. But if not, just take one because I want anyone that wants to be able to go through a devotional. It starts on December 1. It's readings and it's beautiful artwork by Bette Dickinson. All the artwork in it is her original artwork. Um, we're going to be using some of it in the services. Um, but it's just beautiful. It's very contemplative, very, very um, meditative. You can just pray and, and encounter God through this time of Advent. And, and I love the theme of it, which is making room. Making room in Advent. And so I want to start our season by asking you, how might you make room for Jesus this Advent? How might you make room for him? And I don't know about you, but like I'm pretty busy <laughs> ordinarily. In the normal course of the year, we're all very busy. There's so much taking up all of our time and energy. And then it just heightens in Christmas, right? I mean, it just goes up a notch. I was driving here, okay? I was trying to pray, you know, get myself in a good spiritual state, you know, <laughs> to come here. And my brain kept going, I got to make my Christmas list. Oh, I got to get the boys' Christmas list. Oh, and I got to decorate the house. And I, like my brain was just flipping through like a Rolodex. All the things I had to do. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but there's just so much to do. So how can we, in a season in which there's so much less room, because there's so much going on, how in this season can we make more room for Jesus? And I just want to challenge you, as I'm going to challenge me, to set aside time every single day this season for Jesus. Just a little bit of time. Maybe it's reading the devotional book. Maybe it's praying. Maybe it's listening to God. Just a little time. Make some room because you will experience the first coming, the celebration of the first coming of Christ in a different way if we make room for him 
We're going to make room. We're going to open up our hearts to him. So every week we're going to talk about a different kind of making room. This week we're talking about the story of Zechariah and how he had to make room for mystery, for uncertainty, for unknowing. And so uh, let's talk about Zechariah for a minute. He was one of the Levitical priests. He was descended from Aaron, so of the priestly line, and he served in the temple. Now, for those of you that were here last week when we finished up our Minor Prophets, who was here and heard the last of the Minor Prophets series? Like a bunch of you. So if you remember, where were we? We were with Haggai. And what was Haggai doing? What were the people at Haggai's time doing? They were rebuilding the temple. Remember, the temple had been destroyed by Babylon, and then they, the Jews got to come back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And so they were building the temple. And Haggai, if you'll recall, was the one minor prophet that ended well because they did it. They actually built the temple. It was completed. And so this is now, now fast forward 500 years, this is the same temple where all this is taking place with Zechariah, where the angel is going to come to him, where Jesus is going to minister. This temple was set up 500 years ago so they'd be ready for this moment. See, God has the whole of history in his hands. He's just working through history always. And he had this temple set up in advance. I just think that's awesome. So it says here in Luke 1, that Zechariah was chosen by lot to go into the temple. So once or twice a year, the priests could go into the temple and they would light a candle, um, burn incense inside the temple at the golden altar or the altar of incense. This was not the Holy of Holies. Only the most high priest went in there, but the regular priest could go in and they would, it's just outside the Holy of Holies was an altar of incense and they would burn the incense there. But it was a big honor because a priest would only do this once in his whole lifetime. That was, you only chose him once for this. So this was Zechariah's moment. He's an older man. He finally got his chance, you know, and now he's going in and people are gathered around the outside of the temple. They're waiting. They're praying. This is a big moment for him to go in. And the other thing before I read the passage for us to know about Zechariah, which if you've been in your Sunday school class, you know, is that poor Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth never were able to have children. They were already advanced in years and hadn't had any children, which is a sadness for anyone um, if you have desired children, but certainly even more so in that culture because it was not only a sadness, but an embarrassment. It was a shame. It implied that there was something wrong with you or your faith. And so this was a terrible, sad thing for them. And so going into the temple, this is what Zechariah is bringing with him, and an angel appears to him and startles him, it says in Luke 1. I'm going to start reading at verse 13. It says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Who are we, who is he talking about here? John the Baptist, right, of course. This is who's, who they are going to give birth to. And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. 
They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. How unexpected. How mysterious. How strange. He was just going about his work, his daily duties. He didn't expect anything to happen. He didn't expect to be like Charles or Susan coming into the church. They're just, you know, doing song sheets, setting up the stuff, setting up the children's rooms, and suddenly an angel appeared. <laughs> They'd be pretty shocked, pretty amazed, um, pretty surprised. And so Zechariah was afraid, and he was startled and surprised, and it was not something he expected. And so he did the first thing he did, which many of us do when we're surprised and unexpected things happen. He tried to control the situation. Anybody relate to that? When things aren't going according to plan, we double down on the planning, right? We try to make it happen the way we want it to happen. We start to demand people to do things according to our plan. We start pushing people out of the way that are getting in the way of our plan, and we start asking demanding questions. And this is exactly what Zechariah did. He said, how can I be sure of this? He wanted to know all the answers. He wanted to know what was happening and how he could be certain that this was of God. And so God did something to him that he likes to do to us control freaks. Any control freaks in the room who like things to be in control? He did something that he likes to do to control freaks. He gently but firmly relieved him of all control. <laughs> he said, I'm just going to take you out of control. You're not going to speak. You're not going to be able to tell anyone what just happened. You're not going to be able to ask for an explanation. You're not going to be able to tell anyone what to do or how to fix the situation. You're just going to be quiet. Zechariah had to make room for God. He was forced to make room for God by being silent. And I just wonder if there are times in our lives when God takes something completely out of your hands. Something that you really desperately want to control. You want it to be a certain way. You want it to be fixed. And he just says, mm -mm. I'm going to relieve you of the control of this. Can we be all right with that? Your adult children, out of your control. Amen? Your job, with all of its ups and downs, out of your control. Your crazy boss, out of your control. Your little children running around all the time, getting sick and having all these problems. Out of your control. Even your health, often, mostly, out of your control. Much of it out of our control. Can we be okay with that? Can we be okay with releasing the control to God and stop talking about it and stop complaining about it and stop trying to fix it all the time? Stop worrying and trying to be and being anxious about it all the time, but just make room for God. Just make room. Open up that part. Can we be okay when it seems like a mystery and yet we're not going to get our questions answered? Can we be okay with that? That's what Zechariah had to do, and God is calling us to that too. This is a way we can make room this season. Listen, I'm a list maker. I love to make lists. And I love to cross things off the list. That is the best feeling if you're a list maker. In fact, I have been known to do a thing that wasn't on my list, write it on the list just so I can cross it out, okay? <laughs> Woo! Anybody hearing me today? Love the list. But the problem with the list is every time you cross something off the list, three more things get added to the list. Am I right? Especially this time of year. 
there's always another thing to add to the list. And I can remember um, for years, especially when I was home with kids, it seemed even harder then. But, you know, it's still today it can happen where if I'm not getting stuff done on my list... And the day is progressing and going along, and it's not getting done because there's all these other interruptions. I just get angrier and angrier and more frustrated. And I want to just tell everybody, just go away so I can get the things done on my list. And when I had little kids, it was like, go away, go watch TV, something, so I can get the things done on my list. You hear how crazy that is? And, you know, it took me a really, really long time to realize that people are more important than projects the projects on my list, that people are more important, and that it's okay if I don't get all the things on my list done. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay if you don't get every single present bought, if you don't get every single thing decorated the way you want it. It's okay if your work is not going exactly the way you want it to go and you get all the projects done exactly the way you want them to be done. It's okay. I had to release control of the list. Some days it'll get done. I had this word that I used to say to myself, there's enough time in every day to do what God wants me to do. Not necessarily what I want to do. My list is what I want to do. But if there's something God wants me to do, he will make sure there's time for me to get that done. Amen. So when we don't have all the answers, when we don't have all the control, when we have to wait and trust that God's got it, even if we don't, that's, that's making room for God. We grow when we make room for God. We just rest in his being in control, not us, because he's God and I'm not. Someone say that. He's God and I'm not. Say it. Amen. So it's okay for him to be in control of things that you're not in control of. We can trust him with all of that. I thought about it this way. If you and I are in control every moment, then how can God also be in control? It's almost like if we got it all figured out, we got all our things figured out and all their lists planned out and all the things, it's almost like God must sit in heaven and go, well, it looks like you got everything taken care of, so I guess you don't need me. Because <laughs> we just get it all, we think we have to have it all done. We make no room for him to be in control. Of course, it's not bad to plan, it's not bad to have a list and to want to get things done and accomplish things, but I just, I think we have to remember and realize that we, what we can do are good but small human things. We have small human capability. Our God does bigger and better things. And so when we make room for him, we make room for the unexpected, for God to move in new ways, in different ways, in ways maybe that we hadn't even thought of. He may not want you to be doing all that stuff on the list today. He may want you to spend more time with him and just take a walk and, and dwell on his goodness and his creation. He may want to make room and, and do something new and have you have an encounter with that lady at the store who's so stressed out because she's got a list and she's trying to get her list done and he's trying to have you make room for that encounter if we can get off of getting our own list done. He's making room. And when God moves, by definition, it's not in your control, it's in his. So we've just got to get okay with that. And Zechariah did. So that's one thing I want us to ask ourselves this season. Can we make room by releasing control? What do you need to release control of today? The second thing that happened to Zechariah, not only was he uh, forced to release control, but he was also forced to embrace silence. Right? God took away his ability to speak. He had to remain in silence. And this is also really hard for a lot of us. We love to talk about our issues with everyone as opposed to just being silent and bringing them to God. 
And so, and, and there's a lot of noise at this time of year. I know me, now, every time I get in my car, it's Christmas music. <laughs> We've got the Christmas music on, and that's all good. But sometimes we need silence. We just need silence. And so let's embrace silence. Let's take some time to sil- for silence. I'm always struck by the fact that Jesus was great with people. He was amazing with a crowd. But he always went off by himself to be with his father. He was always making time. He had that balance in his life. He could party it up with the whole, the whole team, but then went off on his own with, Jesus, with, with the Father and, and spent time in prayer, spent time alone. If he needed that to recharge, don't you think we might? I think we might as well. When we find some silence, we get peace. I don't know, uh, you know, when, we're, when we kind of just go and go and go and go, I feel like I get this image that in our stomach, it's like everything's all in knots. Anyone ever have a knotted stomach when there's just too much to do and too much stress and everything's going on? And so when we get silent and we rest, I feel like the whole thing just unravels. It just calms down. It starts to just relax. And all the knots in the stomach just start to unwind because we are just being with God. We're just silent with him, and he brings, brings peace. Our heart rate comes down. I mean, physiologically, something happens to us when we just sit and are silent. God's made our bodies that way, that we will calm down and receive his peace if we're just silent for a minute. The other thing that silence brings is repentance. This is probably one of the reasons that we avoid silence, <laughs> because once you get silent for a minute with God, you know, you start to just realize, oh, yeah, I was a little sharp you know, with the kids, or I was a little sharp with my spouse, or, um, you know, I've been just kind of had my priorities off, you know, I wasn't that kind, I've been falling out of my control, more self, lack of self-control, so we start to see, and, and so we kind of avoid silence, because it's who wants all that, but you know what, when, when God starts to reveal to us some of our sins, and some of the ways we've kind of drifted a little bit, we get to repent, it's such a good thing, such a great thing because it just clears our conscience, it clears our hearts, our souls, and we just, oh, okay, he loves me anyway, and I want to try to do things a different way from here on out. So God uh, moves through us in silence and peace. He brings repentance, and the last thing God brings in silence is healing. I think that this season, many of us are going to need healing. This is not an easy season for a lot of people. Uh, many of you in this room, I'm sure, it's, there's a lot of hardship. There's a lot of loss that we've experienced. It makes the holidays hard. We, we like them on the one hand and we hate them on the other. <laughs> it's kind of like this mixed feeling. And so I really believe that spending time in silence with God is going to bring healing. Because God's going to just be able to minister to you and you don't have to be anywhere or do anything or be a certain way. You can be happy or sad or mad or whatever you are and just be with him. And he's going to love on you, and he's going to bring peace and healing. So let's be silent like Zechariah. So Zechariah had to release control. He had to embrace the silence. And then, of course, what goes with that is if you're, if you've got to stay in silence and you can't talk, all you can do is listen, <laughs> right? So he ended up having to learn to listen not only to other people but also to God, He had to watch as his wife got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the truth of what the angel had said became very apparent to everyone around him. And he realized God was speaking. And when we listen in the silence, when we listen to God, he begins to speak to us. He's always speaking to us. 
It's hard to hear if we're in a hurry, if we're cranking on our list. But if we stop, we listen, we're silent, God starts speaking. And it's amazing how he speaks. I was just on a Zoom call um, last week uh, with my three of my sort of best girlfriends from New York. We do this about once a month, once every six weeks, where we get on a Zoom call and uh, one of us has prepared a short devotional that we kind of share, talk about it a little bit, then we kind of each catch each other up on our lives and what we need prayer for, and then we close by praying together. So it's a really wonderful, life-giving kind of group for me. Um, and so we got on the call last weekend, and one of the women was very distraught. She was kind of weepy and emotional as she got on. She was like, I'm sorry. She had a really, really rough day. Lots of things kind of really had gone wrong, and she got some bad news. And so she was kind of weepy and everything, and I was the one meant to do the devotional. I was like, you sure you want to do that? We could just just like pray for you or whatever. It's like, no, I'll go ahead, do it. So it just so happens that the devotional was something I had picked up at the pastor retreat that I went on a couple weeks before that, which was just a, a kind of a, a silent, it was it involved being silent, involved um, some prompts, prayer prompts and silence that we do before God. So we spent three minutes, okay, three minutes, that's all it was, in silence and just listening to God. And so we went ahead and did that. And when we were done, when we kind of went around and shared what God had spoken to us through tears, my friend said this. She said, I always forget. I always forget that no matter what's going on or even how little time I have, if I just stop for a minute and listen, God always speaks. He always speaks. And he had spoken something to her in those little three minutes that just ministered to her heart where she was hurting and where she was troubled. And she just her demeanor had completely changed because she spent three minutes with the Lord. Three minutes. Do we have three minutes to make room for God? Do we have three minutes? What if every day of Advent, you and I took three minutes every day and just listened? Just took a quiet moment, whether in the middle of the day, beginning of the day, end of the day, just three minutes to listen. God will speak. He's always speaking. He's the good shepherd. He loves you, and you're his sheep, and he wants to speak. I love what it says in John 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. He knows you, and they follow me. So God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak. By releasing control, embracing the silence, and listening to God. Now, in order to do that, we're doing something a little different during the four weeks of Advent. If you'll notice, we had a kind of slightly shorter worship set at the front. We're going to do a couple more songs at the end, so there's going to be more worship at the end. So it won't be just a closing. It's going to be, we're going to enter into worship, let the Lord speak to us, let there be ministry time, all of that. Um, and so, in addition, what we're going to do at the end of every sermon, I'm going to lead us through something called Visio Divina. Now, you may be familiar with Lectio Divina, which we've done before here, which is read, divine reading. It means you read the scripture slowly, you listen for what God might be saying to you, there might be a word or a phrase that stands out to you, you have some silence, you read it again. It's kind of a way of listening as you are reading the scripture and letting it speak to you. Well, this is Visio Divina, and it's divine seeing. So it's, it's, just, it's the same thing, just visual. So we look at a, a, a painting or a, 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 some kind of artwork, and we ask the Lord to speak to us through it. Because God's always speaking, and he can speak to us through it. And so we're going to be using the beautiful paintings by Bette Dickinson as part of our Visio Divina. We're going to take a moment to just look at the painting. 
um, when we put it up in a couple minutes. Um, I want you to know that I actually wrote out the description of the painting and sent it to Vicki Burke so that because she can't, won't be able to see the paintings, but she'll be able to know what we're, what we are meditating on. So I wanted to make sure everyone could participate in this. When we display the painting, which is going to be for two minutes, I want us to allow our eyes to just look on the painting and see what God draws your eye to. Ask God, show me what you're drawing me to look at, what my thoughts are while I'm looking at this painting. Bet made these paintings in a, in, a, in a place of worship. She was worshiping the Lord as she would make these paintings. So what is it that is, is speaking of God's spirit? And how is he speaking to me through that? It might be related to something I just preached on, or maybe something completely different. Whatever speaks to your heart. So just talk about it with God. Just take those two minutes to just rest in it and enjoy the painting. Uh, if you don't even, don't really hear anything, you can just enjoy looking at the painting and, and the artwork of it and what it speaks to you of this story of Zechariah and the angel. And then after two minutes of the contemplation, I'm actually going to take the mic and come out and ask for two or three of you just to share super briefly about what God may have shown you. So this is going to be part of our worship that we're going to kind of interact together and share with one another what we're learning. All right? So this is what we're going to do. And then after that, I'll share. I'll close with a couple words. We're going to go into worship and, and continue at that point. Does that make sense? Everyone got that? Anybody got a question? <laughs> I feel like I was explaining things. Um, okay. So we're going to just put up the painting. So this is Zechariah and Gabriel in the temple. And we invite the Lord to come and speak to us.
All right. Anybody want to just share just a sentence or two of what you kind of saw in the painting? The thing that got my attention was Zechariah's hand. Um, I think it could be a lot of things when the Lord speaks to us. Mm. It could be absolute terror and fear. <laughs> like, an, oh my God, what? Or it could be like, what are you doing? Or it could be, I don't think so. Mm. Or it could be the kind of, oh my God, that's a complete and total yield. It's mm. like, to me, that's like our choices when God mm. speaks to us. What's it going to be, Marta? Is it going to be a, I don't think so. <laughs> or mm. he's going, what are you doing? Mm. Or, oh, my God. Or fear. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. Thank you. Any other thoughts? I thought you had something. Um, what caught my attention was the tree stump. And how it was like bearing witness to the interaction. And um, it just made me think like, can I see, I kind of see how the two white, like the incense and then like kind of where the angel, like his presence is coming. It almost seems like it's connected in a way. Mm. And it's like, can I witness like my worship to God? Is that in an alignment with like what he's speaking in my life? Hmm. Is what it made me think of. That's cool. Thank you. Who else? Um, what caught my attention was the white thing that looks like incense on the right, but to the left, I thought it was the temple veil. And at that time, the temple veil would have separated, like, the holy from the worldly. But it reminded me that after Christ's death, that temple veil is going to be ripped asunder. Hmm. And we're all invited in to that space of holiness. And it's just up to us to accept the invitation. Hmm. Great. That's awesome. Awesome. I looked at that, and I immediately thought of the scripture, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hmm. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And then the other scripture that said, you like yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And here's Zechariah. He's old. His wife is old. He's longed for a child. And, you know, that he, but he's still serving. Mm -hmm. He's still in his spot doing what he's supposed to do. <laughs> you know, he's still serving the Lord and doing what he's supposed to do, even though it looks like the longing of his heart's never going to come to pass. And we find ourselves in that position sometimes that the things we're really crying out to God for don't seem to be happening. Mm -hmm. But I think the picture of that is be where you're supposed to be and serve God because delight yourself in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And awesome. sometimes his answer is better than anything you could imagine anyway. Amen. He didn't just get a son. He got the son who was coming to prepare the way of the Lord, which he had also been longing for Messiah to come. You listen to the Jews back then. What were they longing for? Messiah to come. He got both. Amen. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, that's so beautiful. That stump really grabbed my attention too. The area and in a slightly different way than it grabbed yours. Maybe along the lines of what you were sharing. It it reminds me that hole makes me think that it's hollow. And um, 
it makes me ask the question, what are the places that feel hollow or empty in my life? And um, I think of that line, he has filled the hungry with good things. Um, as part of Mary's song, I think that is. And so um, what are the places that are hollow or feel empty in my life? And what are the good things that God wants to fill that with? Amen. Um, for me, it got really personal and just fed into what Pep was saying this morning. Um, to me, Zechariah is kind of saying, here I am, Lord, whatever you need for me. And that's been my prayer a lot lately. And I, I see the angel telling him to just be silent and give me control. Mm. And that is definitely something I need to learn how to do. That's great. Any guys want to share? There's a lot of girls. Oh, good. Here we go. equal opportunity you know also the stump caught my attention and again a little bit different I see the roots are still prominent even though it's looks like it's been cut down it's had a hard life that tree but it's still rooted mm. its roots are still there its roots are still available and as long as the roots are grounded and, and are alive there's hope there's hope that God will restore what's been taken. Amen. Thank you. All right. Anybody else? One more? Nope. You looking at me? No. No? Okay. All right. That was great. Wow. How cool. I love that. I love hearing from one another. And by the way, um, you who are intrigued by the stump, there's an actual, actual meaning of that stump. You have to, you're going to have to go get the devotional to know <laughs> what it is, but it's actually in every painting, the stump, and it has a, a special meaning. So I'm going to invite the band to come, come on up as I'm closing here. Made, we're making room for some mystery today, making room for some mystery. And when we make room for mystery, there's hope. God's going to do something new. He's going to start to answer some of the desires of our heart. Um, and so as we launch off Advent, let's... Remember Zechariah. I, what I saw here, well, two things I saw today, different. I've looked at this painting all week long, but today all I could hear was day and night and night and day let incense arise. So that's because it's coming off of the censer, the incense. So I just was thinking of our prayers rising up to Jesus. And I also thought of his hand on his mouth, the angel's hand on his mouth. I thought God's kindness leads us to repentance. It felt like a very kind hand that was leading him to some repentance, but I don't know, that's what I sort of perceived from there. So let's, let's learn from Zechariah. Let's not be forced like he was to give up control and to be silent um, and to listen. Let's willingly come to God. And so as we're, as we're thinking about this, I'm going to just lead us through each of these three things. You can close your eyes if you want even to think about this. How might we release control? How might we make room by releasing control this season? By reminding ourselves that everything doesn't need to be perfect. Everything doesn't need to be done right away. That some things are going to be outside of our control and that that's okay. Let's ask God, would you be in control so I don't have to be? And how this season might we embrace silence? 
Take moments just to be silent. Turn off the radio. Stop talking. Just be with your God. And how might we also listen to God more this season? Expect him to speak. He's always speaking. My sheep know my voice. Stop often in this busy time. Take those three minutes a day just to listen. Let's go ahead and go into worship. You're welcome to stand or sit. I also just sense that if you're especially feeling that release of control, you want to give up control to God, just come forward. Come forward. Let's worship yes. here. We can kneel at the altar and come up and get prayer. But let's, let's bring that all to God.